You thought that you could have it all And life could be a bar But you fell and scabbed your knee Now you can be Hi, and welcome to the Recovering CEO podcast. Uh, this is Derek Maraban. I'm the Recovering CEO, and uh, it's a beautiful Monday in August 2022. Thanks for being here. I'm recording in my new basement office. Um, gave up my downtown office, moved home, which works fine. Uh, been a lot of new things happening, you know, for the Recovering CEO. You know, I. Uh, I'm working at a detox center here in Ann Arbor, uh, alcohol and drug rehab center, which has been great as a counselor, and I'm enjoying that, helping people get sober and, um, I guess, get straight after, you know, dealing with drug and alcohol addiction. I'm also starting my master's in social work at the University of Michigan, which is pretty cool as well. Uh, as many of you know, I went to Michigan State. I'm a big Spartan fan, so but I am going to get my master's from Michigan which is kind of cool. I mean, I live in Ann Arbor. Why not, right? Why not? And this weekend, I just celebrated 26 years of sobriety, uh, 26 years sober from drugs and alcohol. So that's kind of a big deal. 26 years, I just turned 50. So yeah, I've been sober for longer than I've been alive. Yeah, because yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know how that works, but I got sober when I was 24, right? So sober for more than half my life. How about that? And it's good to be sober. You know, I just wanted to do a podcast today, kind of reflections on 26 years sober, uh, what's it been like? And, you know, share some experience, strength and hope. You know, we're starting to get some more listeners. I'm starting to dedicate more time to this podcast, kind of dialing back some of my digital marketing work, which is fine. And I'm also going to shift, you know, I want to shift and do some services for business that relates more to recovery. Uh, one of the reasons I'm doing the recovering CEOs to help people in business who are struggling with addiction kind of get right and really uh, grow your business, you know, because I think that if you're sober, you're going to be much more successful. And uh, so I'm doing that, but also getting this master's in social work, kind of upping my personal work uh, in recovery by being a counselor at a detox and uh, drug rehab centers been very, very interesting, you know, and I just, honestly, I love it. You know, I love, I get to drive the bus to the meetings. You know, we got a big 15 passenger van and I drive people to meetings and we play music and we drive and everyone's just, you know, it's a moment of happiness for all the people that are newly sober and going to a meeting. And it's happiness for me too, because when I am uh, serving others and when I'm in a state of service and helping others, there's a really small chance that I'm going to act out, right? I'm not going to go to my drug of choice when I'm helping others. And the number one thing uh, that's a recommendation when you're struggling and when you're thinking about drinking, picking up a drug, you know, doing anything that's going to change the way you feel or help you kind of numb and escape from your life, um, service work is the number one thing you can do, you know, help somebody out. Just go over to them and say, hey, man, how can I help you? You know, I noticed you're really working hard and uh, I have some time on my hands. What can I do that would make your life easier? You know, pick up the phone, call somebody, right? Call, 
call my mom, call my aunt, you know, my godmother, just call somebody, pick up the phone. That's hard to do sometimes, you know, and let them know that I'm doing okay and check how they're doing. You know, there's real, real power in that. You know, I think, um, you know, I can either in my life, I can either move towards a drink or away from a drink. Okay. That's a simple way of looking at it. So every action I take can either take me towards a drink or away from a drink. Um, and there's some other ways to look at that. Okay. I can do something that is self-centered and something that'll make me feel good or like immediately affect my pleasure right now. Or I can do something that's maybe other centered, right? Helping someone else. What's going to make someone else feel good? You know, and living in Ann Arbor, you know, I see a lot of people, um, I had an office downtown. I still do currently, but I'm getting rid of it. But, uh, you know, I walk around going to Ruse Roast, going to Madras Masala, my favorite Indian place. And I see all the people on the side of the street. And in Ann Arbor, they actually sell these newspapers. Um, And the newspapers have stories written by homeless people about homeless people. And it's actually really nice. And in order to be able to distribute the newspapers, you have to be sober. You have to be, you know, kind of working the program and doing the right things. And so there's really nice people. And they accept donations for the newspaper. It's a $2 donation. Um, I don't always buy one, but I often do. You know, and sometimes I'll give more, you know, five or ten, depending. And, uh, you know, this is a good way for these people to kind of support themselves and do something that is a service to the community, uh, not just begging, you know. And I don't know. I, I like helping others in this capacity. You know, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying this is one way to do it. You know, when I was a drug addict and an alcoholic, when I was acting in my addiction, I was really taking from society, right? I really wasn't giving too much. I was taking. And now that I'm sober, and even though I've been 26 years sober, it's still my job to make things right. And it's still my job to make deposits in the, in the karma, you know, wheel of life type thing. You know, I need to uh, be better than just normal. You know, I need to help others at a higher rate. I need to do more service. I need to donate my time. And uh, if I have money, I need to donate my money and help others. And that's, that's it, uh, to make up for all the harm that I caused when I was using and when I was in my addiction, you know, and you could say, well, shoot, you know, you only use drugs and alcohol for four years. Um, you've been 26 years sober. It's like, it doesn't matter. You know, this is a way of life and attitude of gratitude. Um, I never want to use drugs and alcohol again, you know, and it's not just drugs and alcohol. We've talked about this. You know, there's lots of different ways that I could essentially slowly kill myself, right? Overeating, smoking, um, acting out sexually in ways that are going to get me in trouble, you know, um, gambling, buying, buying too much, you know, purchasing things, all these things have the potential to get me high. You know, and all of them, you know, are are sometimes okay in small doses, but in large doses will kill me. Um, The alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he doesn't think so. And I always say that alcohol uh, recovery, right? So recovery, sobriety, one of the greatest gifts I get in sobriety is the gift of awareness. And for me, it was awareness that, you know what, Derek? You're an alcoholic. You're a drug addict. You can't act like you are acting. You can't do that anymore. You know, so today I'm aware when I, 
you know, and I like to look at mobile homes, right? I like to look at uh, like the, the, the RVs, you know, the RVs that you drive around. And I really like those camper vans that are customized, you know, and those things are 150000 up to a few million dollars, you know, and I look at them and I obsess about them and I look for good deals. And, you know, imagine going on road trips with the dogs and this and that. And it's all good. It's all great. You know, it's, but it is a distraction. Um, I do have work I could be doing instead of, you know, looking at those mobile homes or looking at new vacation properties that I don't have the money to buy, you know, that are on the ocean or on Lake Michigan. Um, I also do this with cars. You know, I obsess about cars. Lately, I've been looking at electric cars. You know, I just had to take a couple of deposits off of uh, two Rivians. You know, I reserved the truck. I reserved the SUV because, of course, I would like them. But it would take about a year or so, maybe more to get them. And they cost around $100,000. So do I really need that? Not necessarily, especially when I'm about to go back to school for my master's. You know, especially when... I just kind of dialed back my business, you know, um, I need to stay focused, you know, and I need to record more podcasts. You know, I really want this podcast to help you. You know, if you're thinking about using, if you think you might be an alcoholic or drug addict, if you think that your behavior is out of bounds and it's causing trouble in your life, then maybe listen to my podcast. Maybe this will help you, you know, because I have been sober. I've been sober 26 years from alcohol. Um, it's around 26 and a half years sober from all drugs, you know, but uh, when I, I'll tell you when I quit smoking pot and doing drugs, when I quit that, my drinking skyrocketed and my drinking also started giving me the same uh, psychotic thoughts that the, that the drugs were giving me, you know, and it scared the heck out of me. You know, I started blacking out. I had seizures. I started really going off the rails with the alcohol and it's, it scared me, you know? And um, eventually I quit. August 13th, 1996, I took my last drink at a fish show. And it was actually, you know, I had a few beers before the show, walking around on Shakedown Street. I went into the show with my good buddy Jeremy. And I bought, I wanted to buy a hemp necklace, right? So a really pretty hemp necklace with a glass bead. It was 10 bucks. I only had a 20. So I went and bought two $5 beers, right? That was back when beers were 5 bucks. They're a lot more now. Uh, two $5 beers so I could buy the hemp necklace <laughs> and drink that last beer. And then during the opening song, uh, August 13, 1996, Divided Sky, we were in the middle of the lawn. This was back when I was still sitting in the lawn. I try and buy pavilion seats now, I guess because I have more money. Uh, and the lawn's a little crazy. And I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the first song of the fish show. Not the best time to go to the bathroom. I had to walk really far. It's like far to the bathroom and go to the bathroom, and I missed a lot of that song. And I think it's kind of ironic because Trey Anastasio of Fish actually named his foundation the Divided Sky Foundation, and he started the foundation to uh, help people recover from drugs and alcohol addiction. He started the treatment center in Vermont, and Trey Anastasio is the lead singer and guitarist of Fish. He's one of my heroes. He's an incredibly talented musician, a gifted person, very nice guy. Uh, I've never met him. <laughs> uh, I did meet Mike Gordon and John Fishman after the New Year's Eve 1995 show. This was before I got sober. It was actually during my last hurrah. I was on acid, tripping balls backstage at Madison Square Garden. And I met them and I explained to Mike Gordon some of my crazy ideas. And 
you know, he just kind of laughed and said, yeah, 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 and went to talk to the next person because I was crazy, you know, crazy. And, um, but so anyways, so my last drink was, you know, caused me to have to go to the bathroom during that song. And then we went back to the campground and this was back when I used to camp right before I spent money on hotels. We walked back to the campground and there was drum circles and bonfires and everyone was just whooping it up, drinking, smoking down, doing drugs, whatever, you know? And I had already been sober from marijuana for six months, so I didn't want to smoke any, even though there was lots of joints being passed. Um, and I didn't buy any alcohol that day. I purposely, we went to the party store, I didn't buy any alcohol. So I had nothing to drink. And, you know, I was there with my friend Jeremy. We each had our own tent. And, you know, I looked around, there was lots of like, you know, pretty women, there was lots of people having fun, and I just was alone. Just totally alone, you know, and... um so I crawled into my tent, zipped it up, and just curled up into a little ball. And it felt awful. You know, and I could feel right in my gut, I could feel this pulling that I really wanted to drink and I really wished I had alcohol. And I just kind of rocked myself to sleep, fell asleep. And uh, again, that was August 13th, 1996. And I held on to that sobriety date. You know, when I got, when I got back from, you know, these fish shows, I started uh, going to regular AA meetings, you know, and I committed to it. Before that, I was going to an occasional AA meeting, and I was actually trying Artists Anonymous. I was trying all these different anonymous programs, and uh, I finally committed. You know, I committed to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I said, hey, you know what? I'm an alcoholic. I can't afford to do drugs or alcohol because I have an allergy, and when I do it, I can't stop, and drugs and alcohol were causing me huge problems. You know, they caused me to... I mean, it took me six years to graduate at Michigan State University. I barely graduated. Um, I was a full-blown alcoholic for most of my college career. I didn't go to class. You know, I went to a couple classes I liked, and eventually I started going a little bit just cause, so I could graduate. But, um, you know, I looked at my transcript a few months ago when I was applying for my master's in social work at Michigan, and it was kind of sad. You know, I did pretty bad my first semester, around a two-point. Did... Bad again my second semester. My third semester, I got a 1.5. And then after that, I almost spent two years on academic probation. I would get kicked out at the holidays. I would talk my way back in. I joined a fraternity. I completely dropped out of school for a while and just lived in the fraternity house. I mean, it was pretty bad, you know, and luckily I held on, you know, and I, I just thought I used to make bad choices that I made bad choices to go out to the bar you know, on a Monday night or a Tuesday night or a Sunday night. And, or I made bad choices to smoke marijuana all the time or to never go to class. I didn't think that I was an addict or an alcoholic. I didn't even really know what that word was. You know, I found people that I could hang out with who also did drugs all the time and drank all the time. And it was normal. You know, it was normal. I also kind of dove into my fraternity and just did that. You know, it was everything to avoid numb and escape. You know, everything to avoid numb and escape. And I really missed out on a lot of the college experience. You know, I remember um, I'm a huge Michigan State football and basketball fan right now. I love Michigan State sports. I love the Michigan State Spartans. And I had football tickets my freshman year. Went to a couple of games. But then I started feeling, like, different and that I didn't have good friends to go and just didn't make the effort. And I just stopped going. You know, I just I wasn't up that early. I wasn't up by noon on Saturday. I wasn't up by three o'clock on Saturday, you know? Um, it was just no way to live. You know, I remember I used to wake up at one forty-five on most school days, just in time to go down to get lunch before they close. 
And then I would spend the afternoon, you know, fucking around and <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy, you know, and that was when I lived in the dorm. Um, once I got out of the dorm, I just started smoking pot every day, all day, you know, and that didn't go too well. So sorry, someone just got home. My dog is barking like crazy upstairs. So if you can hear that, but, um, you know, but I've come a long way from then, you know, I've come a long way. Like I said, it's been 26 years, you know, I've now been married 23 years. I have an amazing wife. I have two amazing daughters. Uh, one's in college at Michigan state. One's gonna be a senior in high school. I have two dogs who follow me around and they love me and you know it's man's best friend they really are man's best friend they love me and I treat them well you know because I'm not in my addiction today I'm able to care for them right I'm able to be a good father for my kids I'm able to be a loving spouse and love and support my wife you know um I've been able to earn a living you know make money over these last 26 years, you know, and it hasn't always been perfect. You know, I run a business for a long time before that. I worked in advertising and marketing. I've done sales. Um, I'm very capable, uh, but I do struggle. You know, I still struggle even as a recovering and you could say recovered alcoholic. I still struggle, you know, because hmm, I don't know. I'm an addict. You know, I have an addictive personality. I'm not perfect. Uh, work is sometimes difficult for me. You know, and that's one of the reasons I change the work I do because I want to do something that I love. You know, I'm certainly very good at advertising and marketing, but a lot of the stuff I have to do is small bullshit work that I don't like doing. You know, I like doing big stuff and uh, it's not always possible to do that. You know, clients don't always want to pay for that. I don't always have the ability to do that. So, so shift my work, you know, and you might think it's small work to uh, be a counselor or to help people recover from drugs and alcohol addiction. It's not, it's rewarding, you know? And when I was in college, I wanted to be an international businessman, travel the world, do all these crazy things, you know? And I mean, I still like travel, but you know, I never want to wear a tie again. I don't like sitting in long meetings with companies and kissing their ass and telling them this and that. And I hate all that, you know? Um, but I would like to be a therapist and I would like to help people who are struggling with drug and alcohol addiction and people who are struggling with relationships, you know, um, over these last 26 years, I've developed some skills, right? I've stayed sober. I've learned what it takes to stay sober. I've been through hard times and I've stayed sober. I've been through good times. And I've stayed sober, you know, and a lot of my friends have gotten sober and I've seen a lot of people die from their addiction. You know, I've raised a family. Life has changed, you know, and here I am at age 50 and I have a different perspective and I can be more helpful and I can do more and I have the ability to do that, you know. Luckily, I have a wife with a good steady job that allows me to make a career shift like this, you know. Thank you, honey, if you're listening. I don't think she listens to this, um, you know, but I've got a lot to be grateful for. You know, I'm grateful for my parents. You know, as some of you know, I was adopted, you know, I was adopted at a young age, um, I have a twin brother. He's been very successful. You know, the trauma of adoption affects everyone differently. You know, did it make me an alcoholic? I don't know. But I definitely have that gene. And there's alcoholism in my family. You know, there's alcoholism in my past and drug addiction. Um, addiction has killed a large number of my, my family, my biological family. It takes you out. It takes them out. It kills them. You know, and it's part of my job 
you know, I was adopted, right? So I was raised in a loving family by parents who were not alcoholics. Um, you know, they still might have a difficult past or trauma or difficult, you know, parents or maybe some alcoholism in their past, but they didn't give that to me. You know, and they raised me very well, cared for me very well. And, you know, now they're two of my best friends, you know, and they're my parents and it's like a gift. And, you know, I'm very grateful to them. And, uh, you know, but it's part of my job to break this cycle. You know, I've met both of my biological parents. You know, my biological mom is gone now. She died from cancer. My biological dad is still alive. Uh, he's a great guy. We went to a concert together recently. And my biological mom was great too, you know. And But alcoholism is runs in their family. My biological dad is sober, you know, 30-some years. Um, there is alcoholism and addiction everywhere. So if you're suffering from it or if you know someone who suffers from it, or if you know someone that needs help, um, pass this podcast along, you know, take a minute. You know, we talk about being of service. If you want to take a minute and write a review, I would greatly appreciate it. You know, if you could subscribe to my podcast, subscribe to my YouTube channel, I'd appreciate it. You know, it's tough to launch a podcast and this is like my 35th episode. I've been doing this, um, for around eight months now. So I'm doing okay. I'm going to do better, but I do appreciate you all who listen. I hope you are getting sober. I hope you're building your life and I hope you're building up some gratitude and helping others. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's my reflections, reflections on 26 years of sobriety from the recovering CEO. Um, maybe I'll do more tomorrow, but I appreciate you. If you listen to this, uh, I love you. Remember, we're going to love you until you learn to love yourself. All right. So please uh, share this, retweet it, leave a review. And, uh, or leave a comment, you know, let me know how you're doing. Let me know if you're struggling and let me know if you're doing okay. All right. God bless. Thanks for listening to the recovering CEO. Have a great day and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. You thought that you could have it all and life could be a ball, but you fell and scabbed your knees